This is all about Kentucky tracks, Kentucky drivers, and Kentucky fans. We eat, sleep, and breathe it anyways, so we figured why not make a podcast about it. For 11 years, we've been keeping the bluegrass covered in dirt. Now, we're doing it bigger than ever before. We are Kentucky's Dirt Racing Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live, presented by Smokehouse Grill and Buffet. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition. Actually, this is episode 25 of Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live for 2023, our second season, uh, doing this podcast all about uh, dirt racing here in the state of Kentucky. Uh, Man, uh, Wes, I tell you what, a, a huge show we've got lined up. Special edition Monday night. We're moving from our regular Wednesday edition of uh, of our show to a Monday night here um, because, uh, well, for one, we're getting kicked off the podcast on Wednesday night. It's going to be ladies' night here on Dirt Racing on the Bluegrass Live. So uh, we're going to be highlighting all the uh, all the ladies that uh, make up our our sport, and and uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, so we said, you know what, this weekend though, is a world of outlaws, late model series coming to Ponderosa Speedway on Friday night. We, we have to do a show. We can't let them kick us off completely. So, uh, here we are. And, and so we've got Steve Francis coming on the show here with us tonight, man. Just unbelievable. Really. When you think about it, uh, just all the just i mean awesome people we've been able to talk to and uh to have steve on here with us tonight just just so cool and and really excited to to bring him on here i mean what more can you ask for baby the kentucky colonel steve Uh, francis (laughs) i know man i'm i'm right there with you i'm excited about i know a lot of our fans are we've been uh sharing posts about it this week and and just you know heard from a lot of people uh you know steve's one of the best to ever do it and and uh right here from kentucky and uh so so uh, like i said just just really uh pumped about that and uh, can't wait to get into that conversation uh this is the bluegrass restoration and construction studio uh, this segment is sponsored by dirtman diecast go to dirtmandiecast.com check out all the collectibles diecast race cars and everything that he's got to offer or you can check him out at your local racetrack you can also call the racetrack connection hotline that number is 859-412-1287 uh, i do want to mention real quick here west we've had uh, a lot of people on here the last few weeks uh, record-breaking numbers really uh, i i want to set a golden tonight i want our our uh, listeners our viewers to help us out with this we've got we've had a, a whole lot of people man several times like well close to 200 but i don't think live viewership we've ever got to 200 we get to like 5,000 views 6,000 views overall a bunch of listeners on our podcast but i want to get up to 200 people on this thing here tonight before we bring steve francis on here so that's our goal so uh please share this out uh, get this out to your friends, family, dirt racers. I know there's all kinds of people out there that that wanna wanna hear uh, what we've got to to bring to you uh, here this evening. But Wes, before we get to uh, Steve Francis, we're gonna bring him on here in just a minute. I want to quickly recap uh, this past weekend our local track, Central Kentucky wise, uh, Lake Cumberland Speedway was the only track running rare uh this past saturday night i only have one track running um west man, man i tell you what 
I've done just about everything there is to do in dirt racing. Uh, and, but I had never been an on-track official. Uh, which really, when I got to think, it kind of surprised me. So Saturday night, I got the chance to be an on-track official at Lake Cumberland Speedway. Uh, but, you know, really, when it comes down to it, I think what happened is Hargrove went through every one of his contacts. He needed a few extra hands for Saturday night. He was expecting a big crowd, a lot of drivers. He went through all of his contacts, Wes, including you. And uh, eventually, he had no other choice he got to me. Uh, he gave me a call, and I, I answered the call. So I, I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine that's probably about how it went down. What do you think? I would say you're probably about 150% correct because he called me before he called you, and he said, you can't do it. And I was like, no. I said, I've got I've got to work. I've got to fish a tournament tonight. I'm, I'm out. He said, what about Josh? I said, I don't know what he's into tonight. <laughs> So, I, so we, we traded phone numbers. So I gave him yours and he gave me Steve Francis. So we, that's how that worked out. So yeah. it's a win-win for all of us. Uh, we get, yeah. We got the best end of the deal on that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I so, think that's how it went. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. but everybody I've talked to said you done an excellent job and I know you would. And, uh, you represented dirt racing in the bluegrass live well, little buddy. Well, even even if I was his last, as even if I was the last ditch effort there on Saturday night, I, I tell you, I mean, no kidding. I had a lot of fun doing. I really appreciate him letting me do that. Man, I tell you, I just I have fun doing anything I can possibly do. You know, we we both do anything and everything. And but being out there, like I said, never done that before. I've done just about everything else, but really gave me a, a an appreciation uh, for those guys. You know, like Michael Gad, uh, Howard. Uh, you know, those guys out there on that racetrack. I mean, there's just you know, just really being able to be there and do that uh it really gave me a, a, just a solid appreciation for what they do but i gotta tell you wes the hero of the night was howard you know our our good buddy howard uh, uh man he just uh he he just he he came on he said josh i'm not gonna let you mess up i'm right here for you buddy i'm gonna be here all night you ain't got nothing to worry about and i tell you what he had my back and wes i think if Harold, if Howard's got your back, I think you could go in the roughest neighborhood. You could go anywhere, and you know what? If Howard's got your back, you at least feel safe. If nothing else, you feel you feel safe. And the moment I knew he had my back, I knew I was going to be all right. You was bulletproof, wasn't you? I was bulletproof, absolutely. <laughs> I, I really think. But no, uh, Howard's a dandy, and uh, he does a he does a great job out at Lake Cumberland and Ponderosa, and. Uh, we uh we got to give him a lot of credit because he uh he does a does a good job and does a lot of work for brandon he's brandon's right hand man so yeah yeah he is and he and he does a good job well i want to tell you a few highlights i want to get to the race in action but a few highlights from my night as a uh, as an on-track official at lake cumberland speedway so i went into this thinking you know as long as just nothing off the radar comes at me i think i'm going to be all right i mean i had it down i practiced the whole way you know my job was going to be at the end of the lineup shoot, just make sure the cars get on the track. Now, here's the thing. They were controlling everything from the tower, so I really didn't have to do anything. But I thought, you know, if I'm going to be out there, I'm at least going to look important. So, you know, I had it all figured out. I've seen it my whole life. You know, a stern look, a point, 
you know, direction of the racetrack. And I'm really convinced had I not had that down, the cars probably would have went backwards. But I went into it thinking I just need nothing off the radar to come at me, right? So first thing, a car goes out, spins, there's there's fluid all over the racetrack. And uh, they're hollering at me on the on the headset, and I heard it after the third time they hollered at me, Josh, we need you to go get the Dodge and take the oil dry to Howard. So I heard it the, after the third time, and I'm looking around, and I don't see a Dodge anywhere. I do see a Dodge Durango, and I'm thinking, those things are pretty fast. You know what I mean? So be all right, but there's two guys sitting in the Dodge Durango. So I'm thinking, in my mind, all right, I'm going to have to go tell these guys, hey, you got to get out. I got to go. Uh, and that probably wouldn't go very well. So finally they tell me it's the Dodge pickup in front of the concession stand, Josh. Go get in it and get the old ride of Howard. So I figure out where the Dodge is, take the old ride of Howard. That, uh, that you know, I, I got it done. So first big accomplishment out there. Well, the second thing is Keith Decker comes around. He stops on the uh, on the front stretch. And I just stand there looking at him like, you know, my job is to help people get on the racetrack, but he's, his bumper's all mangled up, so they finally say, Josh, uh, Keith Decker stopped right there in front of you. You care to go help him out, buddy? So, all right, here I go, and I just barely touch the race car, and here comes Howard and another guy, and they just jump in and take over it. I realized at that moment, Wes, they had zero faith in my ability to take care of that race car. <laughs> so uh, they, they, just, they just took care of it. Oh, and. Good. uh Keith you know. Decker's probably very happy they did. <laughs> yeah, he he, pro- he probably he probably is. Um, the the last thing I'm going to tell you about because we got to get to we got to get to uh, Steve Francis. You get you get t- tired of hearing about my stories. You want to hear from Steve <laughs> Francis. The last thing I want to tell you about. You know when you're down there and and people are everywhere and there's so many things going on and sometimes when you're at a dirt track any dirt track things you know things can get get heated right. So somebody wrecked. I don't know what happened. Someone comes up there saying something to a race car driver, and and uh, Howard says, "Hey, you know, back up." Well, they kind of they're they're like you know rubbing chests and sort of getting into it there. And I'm I'm just I'm just standing there at this point. Like I mean, I don't know I don't know what to do. I mean, both of these guys, Howard and this other guy. I mean, so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, do I get in? in the middle of this do i you know do i tell a joke i mean what you know what what should i do at this point because these two guys would have made me the meat in the middle of their sandwich you know what i mean like i'm not necessarily meant to like separate things you know um and about i don't know 10 seconds later brandon was pretty quick about it he came over and sort of calmed the situation down um but you know those were my big experiences there and uh it sort of learned a few things about myself, I guess, at Lake Cumberland on, on Saturday night. One being that Howard, I can trust Howard, but Howard can't trust me. What do okay. you think? Uh, he can, but in a different situation than that you trust him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's an accurate accurate uh, assumption and a good way to look at it, too. Yeah, so. yeah. You but gotta, yeah, no you gotta look at the positive out of it. Yeah. You do. You have to look at the positives. But, you know, Howard. Howard's a good guy. I'm glad he had my back. And, uh, like I said, had a lot of fun there at Lake Cumberland uh, Saturday and, uh, and and really appreciate Brandon let for, you know, letting me do that. And, and I'm always happy to, to help out in any way that I can. It was fan night, Wes. 
uh, even more important than me being a track official was fan night. Seeing those fans out on the front stretch, it was awesome uh, to see, you know, race fans on the track interacting with drivers up close and personal with race cars. I'd love to see even more of that, as much of that as we can possibly do. Um, Jeff Watson won pro late models. Jacoby Hines won mods. Chase McCorder uh, won super stocks and front wheels and hobbies got rained out. But, uh, uh, you know, it was just an awesome track, awesome racing. Cool that they were able to get most of that show in because there was a threat for weather all day. And so it was it was really and truly just uh, just a good night at the racetrack. Well, sounds like it, man, and I hate it. I hate that I was busy and wasn't able to to make it and and uh, could have helped you, you know, with that on track official work. Um, that would have been really cool to do and uh, something that that you know maybe we'll get asked to do down the road um, at Lake Cumberland or another one of our tracks. So, uh, yeah, that would be cool, man. Um, and uh, the pictures and everything I saw, uh, video wise of uh, of Saturday night. Just looked like a really fun night at the races. Good racing action, good car count, good crowd. And uh, that's what you want to see on a fan appreciation night. Yeah, I'm with you. It was. It was it was a good night overall and uh glad I was glad I was able to be there. I'm like you. I wish you wish you could have been there as well. But uh I know uh both of us, man, it's hard to get busy work and all kinds of things going on, fishing tournaments and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So uh we get we we'll be there when we can for sure. Well, let's go ahead and get on into the show. I want to get to Steve Francis. Uh first we're gonna go to just a quick commercial break here before we uh, bring uh Steve Francis on the uh, racetrack connection hotline here with us so hang with us just a minute we'll be right back racetrack connection is a social media app designed specifically for racing on the app you can find a track find a driver review and print track schedules and use the chat feature to communicate with other fans and drivers at any event there's even a map feature where you can locate racetracks all across the u.s plus many other features all for free Download the Racetrack Connection app today. Donnie Kaufman used to say, it's good enough to make your tongue slap your brains out, honey. That's what we think about the home cooking at Smokehouse Grill and Buffet in Berea. Choose from the delicious options on their home-style buffet and salad bar or order from the full menu. Not to mention their desserts and some of the best breakfast you'll ever eat. We promise you'll never be disappointed with this racing family-owned business. Visit their friendly staff and grab a bite to eat. Located just off exit 77 in Berea. Hi there, I'm Alan Feldhouse Jr., head basketball coach at Madison Central High School. Here at MCHS, we have built a winning team. I'd like to tell you about another local winning team. Family owned and operated bluegrass restoration and construction. They specialize in roofing, general construction, and home maintenance services. Just like on the court, you need a team that will work together to get the job done. And that's exactly what BRC does. Give them a call at 859-353-1133. Road Tribe. And welcome back, everyone, to the Bluegrass Restoration and Construction Studio. 
Uh, we're now joined on the Racetrack Connection hotline by uh, the uh, the Kentucky Colonel, Steve Francis. Uh, Steve is the current World of Outlaw Late Model Series uh, director. He's a National Dirt Late Model Hall of Famer, uh, nearly 300 career wins, a 1999 World 100 winner, 1999 Dirt Track World Championship winner at Tyler County Speedway, uh, topless 100 winner from 2012, and the 2012 Knoxville Nationals winner uh, amongst uh, many many others he's also hails from the from the bluegrass state and uh, that's why we call him the Kentucky Colonel Steve it's uh, it's really it's an awesome thing man I tell you what to have you here on the podcast we appreciate you coming on here with us I'm glad to be here you know uh, Ponderosa is kind of a special place to me it's the place I got my first big win and to be able to bring the largest event ever happened at Ponderosa back to that racetrack is kind of kind of a neat deal for me yeah you you were telling us we were talking to you Wes and I we we had a minute there uh, with you pre-show you were talking about uh you know just what Ponderosa Speedway means to you of course uh 15,000 to win for the World of Outlaws late model series uh coming up there on Friday night I want to talk a whole lot about that event but leading into our conversation with that we talked about a little bit before um one of your biggest wins, or maybe your first big win, you were telling us, came there at Kentucky's Baddest Bull Ring. It did. I think it was it was the very first Kentucky Classic, so I think it was ninety or ninety one. And um, you know, I remember we were. <laughs> I've been probably one of the brokest guys at the racetrack, and been with some of the most well financed race teams that you could ever be associated with. So I've been on both ends of the spectrum there. And at that time, you know, I was still still really getting started. I'd been racing six or seven years, but, you know, I was, I don't know, 19, 20 years old trying to figure out, okay, can I make a living doing this? Or do I need to figure out, you know, how, how to go on and make, make, make life happen. And, uh, we went there, it was in, it was in October, I believe. And I think we had like $500. My brother and I had like $500 in our racing account. Um, you know, we both still lived at home. Neither one of us were married at the time or anything like that. So, uh, I was like, okay, we go there. So we, we actually had a dually pickup, open trailer, uh, slept in the back of the truck at the racetrack that night, had a friend of ours that had a hotel room over there, went and showered in his hotel room, one of the other racers, and hung out that night. And uh, we set fast time, which was like, I don't know, $500, and we won the dash that paid like $1,000. I'm like, okay, we're, we're, get, we're getting there. We're in pretty good shape now. <laughs> and, uh, then it was like 100 laps for like 6,500. So we led every lap of it. I can't remember if uh, – I think Bloomquist finished second. It was either Bloomquist or Carrier Sr. that finished second. Uh, Lanigan was there. He was in the top. You know, it, back in the day when you went to Ponderosa on a Friday night, you would have, you know, Steve Smith, Daryl Lanigan, myself, Scott Bloomquist, Skip Arp, Eddie Carrier Sr., uh, Paul Flystretcher, um, and I know I'm missing a lot more other names and things like that. Just That's just off the top of the head trying to remember 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, some big names that we've uh, we've heard a lot about, uh, you know, throughout the years, and and really uh, legends in our in our sport um, for sure. Many of them that you just mentioned being uh, Hall of Famers as well. So uh, yeah, it's cool to hear all those names and and you know all that taking place there thirty years ago at at, uh, at Ponderosa Speedway. Um, I'm interested to know, like I said, I mean, we're, we're going to talk more about the, the big race coming up, but I'm interested to know, thinking about that night at Ponderosa being your first big win there, so many big names, uh, um, you know, 
being a part of that event uh but how did how did your career begin and then how did you go from you know you talked about being at the bottom as far as equipment and that sort of thing who were some of the people involved early on and how did you make your way into you know the position of being able to put yourself in the you know to be in some of the better equipment later on in your career i you know my parents had a used car lot um you know they they made it a good living for us, um, you know, made things comfortable for my brother and I. Uh, they bought us a, my, you know, first race car, and we had an open trailer and a, I can't remember what, it was like a, well, one-ton single-axle pickup. We had a Craftsman toolbox in the back. We had a couple spare tires in the back of the truck, and we went racing. And, uh, you know, we were able to, to be success, fairly successful early on in my career, you know, um, back to the old all-star circuit of champions days and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we're talking 84 four, five, six, seven, somewhere in that area. Um, you know, I hung, I hung out a lot with Charlie Swartz and, and CJ Rayburn and well, I was able to surround myself with a lot of really, really good people, you know, Bubby James, which was Scott James's dad drove for my dad before I started racing a little bit. So, you know, I was able to surround myself or fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of really, really good racers back in the day. And they taught me a lot about it and a lot about understanding how to work on your race car and, how to figure out what you needed um, and what feel you wanted to have in your car. So uh, that was, uh, that was really the way that, you know, we kind of kept progressing and, you know, my brother and I'd buy a couple cars in the wintertime, sell a couple cars. Okay. That'd get us enough money to, you know, we'd flip a few cars. My dad had a used car lot. So we'd flip a few cars and that would get us enough money to buy an extra motor or, you know, new tires or a new chassis or a new rear end, whatever we needed at the time. And, and we just kept building it and expanding it. And then, you know, we were one of the first ones to have like the SNS bigger truck and trailer. And then we got into the process of kind of flipping those things as people needed them, making a little money on those back in the early nineties. And, you know, that subsidized what we did racing where we could, we could live off of that money and put all the race car money back into the race car and keep growing what we had as, as a team. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, you know, it seems like I've heard, you know, several people on, on this podcast, on other podcasts, other shows, wherever. I mean, the way you, you came about, you know, starting a racing career back when you were were first getting started, uh, just like a, a blue-collar sort of way, work your way, work hard, work your way up, sacrifice, make a lot of sacrifices as you go. A, a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears along the way for everybody involved. Well, it was. I mean, you know, you you miss your senior prom. You miss when all your friends are going to the lake and doing that stuff in the summertime because you're trying to build your career. You know, I didn't go to college. I, I'm not college educated or any of that. Um, I'm pretty much self-taught at, at most things I've done. Um, fortunate to be able to pick things up fairly quick on most stuff, except computers. I hate computers. Um <laughs> So, uh, you know, we were able to keep, just keep advancing and keep advancing and keep advancing. And, you know, now back in that day, you built a lot of what you had, you know, you bought your car from CJ Rayburn or Ed Howell or whoever back in that day, but you still built all the bodies and everything like that. Where now, you know, everything's laser cut. You go pick it off the shelf and put it on the race car. Mm-hmm. Um, the technology, you know, is, is way different now, you know, any, any major chassis builder now can give you a set of numbers on a spring smasher and, and that's going to get your race car relatively close. And, you know, it's up to you to just do the, the fine tuning. We're back in that days, you know, I can remember going from 
the, the leaf spring cars to the coilover cars to, you know, to a leaf coilover style car to a straight four link car yeah. through the swing arm and cantilever cars that Rayburn built. So, you know, wedge cars to small bodied cars and all those things you were required to do a lot of stuff. It wasn't readily available to just go get it back in that day. Yeah. And, and I'm sure a lot of the innovation and ability to, to do things and learn things and learn a, learn a, two or th- a thing or two here uh, helped you a lot more in a different way back then, going through those changes of all those different styles of, of race cars. Whereas today, I mean, I know th- that these cars and the chassis and everything are a little bit different in, in certain ways, but uh, not near as much as the difference as you probably saw in race cars from one car to another back then. Well, back in those days, you had you went to the World 100, and you pretty much knew. Let's say 1990, you knew one of about even though it was 220 cars, probably one of about 20 guys was going to win it. Yeah, I see that number is you know now we've got 90 cars or 110 cars there, but there's probably 50 of those guys that can legitimately win this race now. Right. Yeah, the big difference from then to now is the 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 being able to go buy what you need has narrowed the field or expanded the amount of guys that can win a race. You know, you can go get good technology. You get a good crew chief. You get those things. Um, it can speed. You know, back in the day, Charlie Swartz always told me it takes seven to ten years to learn to drive a date, dirt late model. From the time you set in it to the time you feel like you've kind of learned to do it all is seven to ten years. Well, that time frame now is probably two to three years at yeah. maximum two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a, a big difference between uh, you, you said it before. You said you may not have even been alive. I was alive through most of it, but I was I was young. Uh, I've seen I see it in pictures and a few videos out there. Uh, you know, I've always thought it would be cool. I don't know if you ever think about this, West, but anybody else watching here with us tonight. But I always thought it would be cool to be able to travel back in time, even if just for a day or two and sort of be a be a part or be a fan of that era. Anyways, I think uh, I think it'd be fun. Oh yeah, I, you know a lot of people, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Wes, but a lot of people think the golden era was you know some say eighty, some say ninety, some say two thousands, some say now. So when I kind of took this job that I currently have with World Racing Group, I watched a lot of old videos, and there were a lot of good races. Don't get me wrong; there was a lot of great races then. But you go watch one of them and kind of go watch what happens now, and it it is a different level. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about Ponderosa, Brownstown. They both have it. That's our next two races. We go to Ponderosa on Friday, Brownstown on Saturday. Yeah. And those two event, those two racetracks have so much history back through, you know, we've talked about the Ponderosa group, but then you talk about, you know, CJ Rayburn, he's very connected to both ends of, you know, Ponderosa, you know, from Casey County originally Mm -hmm. raced at Brownstown, his home track, most of his career. You know, you go John Gills, Mike Jules, you know, those whole group yeah. of racers that you wonder if you could put those guys in today's equipment in their prime. Who's, you know, there's a big debate about who's the best racer ever yeah. um, or, or give me the top 10, whatever. Yeah. But it's so hard to get those numbers because the errors are so different and times are so different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jonathan Davenport is going to go down as one of the top 10 ever, no matter what happens the rest of his career. Sure. Scott Bloomquist, Billy Moyer, 
that's one and two in my book. I don't care what anybody says. That's one and two. Which way? All times, Which, way? In- Which way? Bloomquist <laughs> or Moyer Senior? I'm going to go with Bloomquist because he did it. I don't want to say Moyer ever cherry picked because that's not the correct word. But Scott was really a series guy that ran sanctioned events most of his career, meaning he had 10 guys all the time to beat. There were times that Billy had 20 guys to beat, and he's a, I don't know, what, five, six-time World 100 winner. Yeah. But, and I don't know who has the most wins or any of that stuff. I I, I don't know any of that. But um, they're in that area. In my opinion, if Jeff Purvis had stayed on dirt his whole career, Jeff Purvis would be number one leaps and bounds above everybody else. Yeah, yeah. I, I think part for me, uh, I know West. West is a West is a Bloomquist fan. I I'm not, but I have. Even though I'm not a Bloomquist fan, I'll have to agree with you. I think it, it, as much as anything from the impact on the sport point of view. I mean, there's only been one guy in history, as far as especially as far as fans are concerned. There's only been one guy throughout history that I in my time who when he's when his name is called there's a reaction it's either positive or negative but there's a reaction it's either a boo or a cheer but there's a reaction and i think as much as anything uh i think you have to give the nod to to bloomquist for as much as his accomplishment as much as anyone more than anyone but uh for his impact on on the on the fanhood of fandom of our sport i guess you should say i'm probably with you i'm probably going to give scott the nod but Boy, fitting awful close. I mean, you could yeah. – <laughs> that's almost a tit for tat right there. Um, after that, I don't even know where you could go in the numbers. I mean, there's – you know, you can go to Buck Simmons. You can go to Charlie Swartz. You can go to Larry Moore. You know, you can go to Jonathan Davenport. You know, the the, the list really yeah. gets really, really blurred at that point, in my opinion. But, but like you said, you put, you know, some of those guys in the new technology in these cars today – uh, Mike Jewell, John Gill. Let's see what they, in their prime, with the technology of today's sport, what what could they accomplish if they had all that? And, and then vice versa, putting Davenport and, you know, Kyle Larson and, you know, putting those guys in the cars that you all started out with, in the eighties and nineties, just seeing More. the differential. Yeah. Well, I, you know, everybody gives, wants to always give a percentage of, is it race car or is it driver? And I was always a, a 50, 50 guy through my career. I felt like it was 50, 50. Most of my career, you had to have a good car and you had to be a pretty good race car driver. Um, it's probably a little more skewed toward the race car being better now. But that being said, a good race car driver, in my mind, still knows what to do to that car to at least make that car competitive. Exactly. So, you know, you, you again, I, I know I'm kind of arguing both sides of the, the, the coin here, but both sides of the coin need to be argued because there's, yeah. there's, there's legitimate points to both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I can see what you're saying, though, too. You can see it. I mean, great race race car drivers are great Um consistently you know through throughout their career no matter what they're in and changes that come and all those sorts of things uh kyle larson can wheel a race car anything he jumps in 
uh, it has to have something to do with Kyle Larson at the end of the day. I know he's in good equipment, but not just anyone could jump in that equipment and do what he does. Agreed, so. and, and especially jump in at once every six to yeah. eight weeks and do what he does. Um, you know, in my mind, probably if you're going raw talent and including everybody in the world that raced, Kyle Larson, Tony Stewart, A.J. Foyt, top three. Yeah. You know, we're kind of ranking people. I don't know how you – I don't know what order you put those three in because, again, A.J. Foyt, completely different era. Yeah. yeah. This guy won in NASCAR. He won in IndyCar. He won in Sprint Car. Tony Stewart did the same thing. Kyle Larson did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Overall ability and that's made it all the way to the big leagues, them's the top three. Yeah. All time. I agree now, with you. And now Tony in a uh, in a uh, Even drag a car. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's so. the motor he's just motorsports, whatever. Yeah. He don't care. As long as he's in a race car, he's set. He's just a, he's just a gearhead, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and Ben Petrie says equipment definitely makes a makes a difference. I I agree with I agree with the jockey on that one too. It, it does. Uh, it definitely makes a difference. It it certainly does. Uh, uh, but it is it's also fun watching drivers do more with less. Um, yeah. I always enjoy watching someone be able to do that. Even you know here at the local and the regional level, national, wherever it is, it's fun to watch. Um, we got a lot of guys around here uh, like that. Well, back to your racing career for just a second here, Steve. Uh, one one last question for you. Honestly, do do you miss driving a race car? And was it hard? Was it a hard thing when you when you decided to give it up? I had um, really. I was that guy in my mid late thirties. You know, that was when we were you know really winning a lot of races and everything like that. And I had said at 45, you would never, ever see me at a racetrack again. And I actually drove race cars till I was 49 years old. And I retired, I got out in 17 at 49 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not sat in a race car. Well, I take that back. I've sat in one race car since that time. And uh, Mikey Marvel wrecked at Wheatland, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago. Hurt, hurt his back, stowed his back up. He said, hey, don't let him hook this record. In. Get in it and drive it to the pits for me. I sat down in the car. The floorboards all mashed up in the car. Pedals can't move. I get back out of only race car I've set in since I got out of the car in Charlotte. <laughs> Not even set in another race car since that time. Yeah. Um, so do I miss driving it? I, I probably would still like to get in one and just go, you know, test or something like that. <clears throat> I don't, I'm not interested in competitive racing at this point in my life. Yeah, and, and now. Might, uh, I have a lot of friends in Australia. I've been very fortunate. I've been there 12 times, had a very successful career in Australia. I've got a lot of friends over there that are asking me to come back and uh, and run four or five races in Australia. And we might go back to Australia this year one last time and do that. Um, not sold 100% on it yet, you know, just the timing and depending on how schedules work and things like that. But I would like to go back to Sydney and Perth and run four or five, six races and uh, – then hang it all up completely yeah yeah sounds like a lot of fun you might have to take worldwide west with you he hasn't been to <laughs> australia but he needs he needs to get over there so he, he could be like your your uh uh i don't know tire prep guy no i wouldn't no you shouldn't do that you want to run good if you're gonna go hang it go run once again you don't want to use him as the tire prep man but he could do something like he could clean the nose off you know the, the car or something right? yeah clean yeah. the mud yeah Back in the old day, before we had the lifts and all that, you had to be have to have that guy that would jack it up, put the car on jack stands, take the tires off of it every every time it come in. 
So our sports got easier in a lot of ways and harder in a lot of ways in the years. You know, back in those days, you come in, you jack the carp, you put it on four jack stands. You know, it was, you know, it took a lot longer than backing over a lift and hitting a button and the car yeah. going up for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this, the sport has changed and it's gotten easier. Technology has gotten into the sport. Engineering has gotten into the sport. But if you go back and watch our races, I mean, damn, we had a guy, Volusia, start dead last and win the race. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How can you? I, I don't, I think that's the only time in World of Outlaws late model history that's happened. Wow. Yeah, I didn't so, realize that. Yeah. You know, I think the furthest back anybody started before that was like 21st or something. So, that's really that's really neat um we're back to ponderosa though there's something i did want to touch on that a lot of people don't know is when i won that first race that first fall classic it was the first big event my mother-in-law and father-in-law had ever promoted oh okay okay so yeah um, there's a there's a nugget they would need a feral promoted that that racetrack with ed hasty back in the day and i wound up you know years later where uh, 20 some years later married to their daughter amanda <laughs> Yeah, yeah how, that's uh, that's a cool deal. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, that is uh, that is a. Cool I learned deal. how things go full circle. Yeah, it is. It is. It is crazy how things go full circle. Of course, David uh, and Anita they also you know they they uh, promoted Ponderosa for a long time, then also Bluegrass Speedway. So there's another yeah, guy. Cumberland at one time for a little while. Yeah, the Taylor County Speedway. Okay. So, you know, they, they did, they, I think they promoted for around 30 years altogether. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, we were actually, I was actually in, in Junction City this past uh, Saturday for a family reunion with them. Uh, you know, we had an off weekend with the World of Outlaws. So we spent it there. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's Ponderosa's, you know, we have a lot of really, really polished, beautiful facilities in Dirt Lake Model now. Ponderosa's kind of like one of them old school gyms that, has the ability to have a big race and have a great race, but it still has that real, real old school feel to it. Um, you know, just the way the grandstands yeah. are shaped around the front straightaway, you know, you, you drive across the Creek to get into the racetrack, you know, some of the things like that that go with it, um, yeah. make it have that old school feel, uh, you know, Brownstown has that to me with the covered grandstands. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, those grandstands have been the same since, I was a kid going there in the early eighties or something, you know, mid eighties, something like that with CJ Rayburn. Yeah. Um, you asked me earlier a lot about who was the, who was the most influential people in my, in my career that helped me get there. Well, naturally my, my family, my dad, my brother. Um, but really as far as other racers, CJ probably had as much to do with me staying in the sport and getting to where I needed to get as anybody. Um, Charlie Swartz taught me a lot. Jack Hewitt taught me a lot. Um, but, you know, those were the Mark Richards, Rocket Chassis. Mm -hmm. Mark, Mark, I drove Mark's cars for a while from 96 to 2011, I think. So 15 yeah. years in the same chassis. That's, that's not something you hear a lot of anymore. <laughs> not, so, not at all. It's so, like 15 uh, chassis in one year. This this thing in time yeah, sometimes so, it seems like. Uh, well, Mark was like a like an older brother to me for a long time. We still talk, you know, um, still talk at different times, and we can talk about old history. And he'll every once in a while see a, a we're getting into the current stuff now. He'll see an old tweet of of something or an old picture of something, one of my cars or something, or I'll see an old picture of him or. You know, we'll have a picture, a picture of Josh Richards will come out. And I can remember Josh, you know, 
had a very successful career, stepped away from the sport at his prime, really. I mean, he was mid-30s when he stepped away. So, yeah. um, you know, there's pictures of Josh that I see. And, and when I was driving for Mark in the early or early 2000s, Josh, would we would find him. He'd be in the front seat of the truck like at noon, but and we're not leaving till 4 o'clock that evening because he wanted to make sure that truck didn't leave without him. <laughs> He'd be in the truck in the front seat, you know, four hours before getting ready to pull out. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of neat stuff. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I talked about CJ and our families being very, very close. And uh, there's pictures of me and my brother and uh, Scott and Stacy James, Bubby James's kid. You know, everybody knows Scott that ran around, raced, raced for a long time. I think Scott just retired this year from racing. Um, you know, there's pictures of all of us, uh, CJ's kids, Carla, Kim, Eva, all of us riding bicycles, racing bicycles, swimming in swimming pools together. So uh, it was a lot more fun. Um as a kid back then than probably it is now to be at the racetrack. Mm. But we are, that's one of the things I'm trying to bring back to the world of outlaws is, you know, that fun atmosphere. Um, we've had situations this year. We've had maybe uh, Bobby Pierce and Gordy Gundek the other day, we were at a case construction who sponsors the world of outlaws late models. We were at a, an event for them the other day and I've got uh, Gordy Gundecker and Bobby Pierce playing chicken in a couple of skid steers. <laughs> okay <laughs> they're doing donuts around each other and everything else so uh you might see chris madden and shane clanton and johnny scott playing golf together yeah you know, on an off yeah. day or an off morning so we're trying to bring back a little bit more f of that to our sport and and the guys really seem to be responding to it we've got the group of guys that we've got racing with the world of outlaws this year are just a phenomenal group you know uh, some of them have never been to ponderosa so they're they're kind of kind of excited and kind of like leery and excited at the same time. Mm -hmm. I can yeah. imagine. Because yeah. it is a beautiful place. So, you know, we're going to bring Bobby Pierce, Chris Madden, uh, Ryan Gustin, Kyle Bronson, Brian Shirley, um, Shane Clanton, Dennis Erb, last year's champion, Kay Dillard out of Texas, Johnny Scott out of New Mexico, um, Gordy Gundecker out of St. Louis. You know, uh, some of the old school racers remember Kevin Gundecker. Well, you know, Kevin's just going into the Hall of Fame this year as, as and Gordy's dad, Gordy yeah. and Trevor Gundecker's dad. So, our group of guys, and I'm I'm not that's not everybody in our list. I think we have 16 guys that have followed the whole tour so far. Um, I think we have four rookies still running. Uh, Nick Hoffman is leading the rookie chase right now and already has a couple wins. So, uh, you know, I'll put that group of guys up against about anybody anywhere. That it's a unique group that a lot of people at at Ponderosa have never ever seen. And a lot of the drivers have never seen Ponderosa. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I tell you that that group of drivers. I'm I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing at Ponderosa Speedway because I know you know Ponderosa is a different challenge. Seems to be um, for guys who've never been there before, don't run there often, and see not only that, all of those guys. I mean, you got Bobby Pierce in the points lead. Uh, but I was looking earlier, Madden, Gustin, Hoffman, Bronson, Shepard, all within 100 points of each other. So there's also an ongoing points battle with the World of Outlaws. It's crazy this far into the year that it's, it's, it's that close. And, uh, and Ponderosa and Brownstown this weekend going to have a lot to say about that, that points battle. So that's going to be interesting to see, too. Yeah, yeah, it is, and, and we're, we're really excited about that. You know, we, we looked at actually adjusting and working on the points battle or the point system, mm -hmm. you know, to make it easier to make ground up. But at the same time, man, if you're successful, you're making ground up. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Tanner English is probably another Kentucky racer. He's probably been the most snake bit guy this year. He's shown as much speed as anybody all year long. Just he was leading at Mason City, Iowa a few weeks ago and rubbed him in a right car, rubbed and cut his right rear tire down. You know, I was, I was he's had that now. kind of year. Just um, he was leading that 50,000 we had at Talladega Short Track, 50,000 to win. And just a restart chose the wrong lane, just by dumb luck, just chose the wrong lane. And yeah. Uh, Brandon Overton got by him and won that event. So, um, you know, the group of guys we got there and the talent level that they have is something we're really proud to bring to every racetrack. Yeah, yeah, we're we're excited. Uh, we're excited to be there Friday night and to see that uh, that talent. Um, you know, with you know those names, it's going to be a, it's going to be so much fun. Paducah and Ponderosa, the two Kentucky tracks on the World of Outlaw Series schedule. Uh, this year, um, man, Ponderosa, one of our one of our home tracks. We're uh, we're excited about it. Um, I do want to mention real quick to our fans. We've got a lot of people on here, so I want to give you guys a chance real quick. If you have a question for uh, Steve Francis while we have him on here, go ahead and put those in the comments, and we'll try to try to get to some of those before we uh, finish up the show. But we've talked a lot about already what we're going to see on Friday night, who we're going to see. Um, but real quick, I just want to ask you, because you, you finished up your driving career and basically transitioned into a, into a position with, uh, within racing. Uh, is that something that has, has helped you, you know, still being able to be involved in racing, stepping away from the car? Uh, and, and how is the series director role treating you so far? When, like I said, when I got out of the car at Charlotte, well, when I was in my late forties, I'd said, I'd never be back. You know, you'd never see me at the racetrack again. I was done with it. Um, and I raced, I was 49. I got out of the car at Charlotte, not knowing exactly what my next move was and went to work with Lucas Ole as a tech director there for four or five years. And, you know, they're a great organization. I just, I, I couldn't see where I could advance and, you know, where, where my future was going from that point. And I just, uh, me and Amanda talked about it and we were legitimately when we left Lucas in July of what, July of 22, I guess we were, uh, we were getting out. We again getting out of the sport. You know, not going to be around it any. You might see me at, at an Eldora occasionally or something like that. Mm -hmm. I've always loved old classic cars and trucks, so I was going to start just kind of buying, selling, trading, messing around with some of that stuff. Um, we do a lot of containers still for for our friends in Australia. Sell, you know, shipping race car parts and race cars and everything else to them. And we were just going to kind of piddle around and do you know make a living doing stuff like that. And Brian Carter with World Racing Group called me and he said. Hey, would you like, would you be interested in this? And I'm like, well, probably not, but you know, uh, I, I don't know, probably not. I, you know, I think I'm done with yeah. the sport and he said, well, I'd like you to think about it. And I said, okay, I, you know, give me a week. I just got out of this. I don't want to jump back into nothing. So we talked a little bit more. He called me the next week and he said, Hey, he said, you know, I want you to take this thing and, and mold it and build it like, like an old school racer would do it. And in that time frame, Amanda and I had sat and talked a lot about it and kind of figured out that 70% of the people we knew and 70% of our friends were somehow involved in the sport still. Yeah. So it was like, damn, that's going to be pretty hard to walk away from. You know, you're going to, you're going to really change your lifestyle up big time if you, if this is the route we go. Yeah. So I talked to Brian about how many races he wanted in the schedule. And, you know, we were in that somewhere 50 to 55 range is what we wanted to do. 
And so we, we kind of lay that out and we look and, okay, now we've got time to have a life. You know, we, we'll occasionally take the boat and go to the lake now or just spend the day in the pool or something like that where, uh, you know, when you have that 65 to 75 race schedule, it doesn't seem like much when you had those 10 to 15 days. Mm-hmm. But when you come home and you clean things up and you service equipment and go through all those that stuff, it starts adding every one of those events is two days or yeah. three days. Yeah. <clears throat> so now you've added 50 days. Well, summer's not that long. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, if you look at the, at the World of Outlaw schedule this year, it's not really, really way loaded in July. Yeah. And we, we kind of did that intentional one for summer nationals, one to try to give our teams a chance to regroup at this point of the year mm-hmm. to, to finish out. You know, we have a big break late August, early September. You know, we took off for uh, World 100, which our staff will still work, but World of Outlaws doesn't race for the World 100. Mm-hmm. We're off for the Knoxville Nationals. Um, we're off for Brownstown's Jackson 100. So, you know, we're off like three weeks in a row right there to give those teams time. If they want to race those events, great for them. If they don't and they want to go on a family vacation, that's great too. Yeah. And that's I think that's been one of the big things that's allowed us to add add the talent to the schedule, to the group of guys we got. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure it really does make a make a big difference within the grind, just getting those little breaks in there, I'm sure uh, is uh, very helpful to – your staff and the and the drivers following your series as well yeah it, it is and <clears throat> so when brian you know anyway brian called back and he told us how many days he wanted to race and kind of that kind of stuff and i said okay i think we i think we're going to do this he said okay can this was like a thursday night he said can you be at cedar lake tomorrow night in wisconsin <laughs> so uh that's about how fast that all happened it happened fast i remember it yeah. uh, i remember it happening fast yeah so it happened uh, very fast and the good, good lord above is always you know people talk about their testimonies and so on and so forth but he's always it seems like every time i've got it at crossroads you know i'm going to get out of the sport i'm going to do this a great opportunity presents itself yeah you know, and, and this was kind of a a challenge and an opportunity yeah so almost uh, almost a year, uh, first full year into this, uh, are you are you glad that now that you that you took that opportunity? Um, yeah, I'm I'm very glad. I, I really enjoy it. It's uh, again, I'm not the most computer literate person, so I, I I don't like the computer part of the job that you know you have to do sending contracts to racetracks, getting insurance forms, you know, making sure insurance and all that stuff. Those are the things that I'm not near as crazy about. As far as the running the event and and booking the event and promoting the event, I love doing those parts of it. To me, mm-hmm. that's the exciting part now. Yeah. Well, Wes needs a few more things to do. So if you ever get in a bind, just send some of those contracts and stuff to him. He'll he'll uh, he'll be glad to help you out. He does a bunch of other stuff, so he can help you with that too. We might need. Yeah. We might. We've got uh, one of our one of our. Uh, one of our guys' son is getting married this weekend, so he won't be there. So one, we're one staff member short this week. Well, okay. I, I there you go, Wes. Whatever, whatever you need, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Make all these cars up and check group. How's that? What, yeah. I don't want to be in charge of checking group. No. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll decline the, the group. I'm not checking no group room. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Wes. You, you've been kind of quiet. Uh, let's finish up here. Just ask some of these fan questions. Put them up on the screen there. But you, you got this worldwide, Wes. Worldwide. Uh, uh, I like this one here. This is a good one. 
Uh, Dustin asked, uh, what was your favorite Kentucky track to run? I, I hate to say, I've got to say Kentucky Lake because we were so dominant at Kentucky Lake. Um, mm. You know, I think I walked out of there with, in the few years it was open, I walked out of there with three quarters of a million dollars probably and didn't race there 20 times total. So um, that place was just really, really good to me. Yeah. Josh, did you ever get to watch a, a race there at Kentucky Lake? I was going to say, I've never had the opportunity. I never had the opportunity to see a race there. Uh, really, I hate that because uh, I've saw it on videos and some other things, but I never got to see it in person. I was fortunate enough. I think it was uh, a spring break uh, when I was going to, to college at Eastern. Um, I went out there uh, with my wife <laughs> at the time, and we took a, a spring break trip. Uh she didn't know I was going because I wanted to race. I was I was taking her to Calvert City to you know, <laughs> yeah. enjoy the Quilton Museum and all that right. stuff. Right. Oh yeah, I know how that and, works. Uh, yeah. So I ended up. Uh, she went with me on Friday night. She hated racing. My wife Sherry now loves it, but she went with me Friday <laughs> night, and she didn't go back Saturday night. But it was a two night show, uh, and that's the only time I ever got to watch a race there. Uh, hated to see it shut down um but the facilities was awesome the track was was just it was just a unique place and it was cool it was because <laughs> you got a lot of you know a lot of kentucky drivers would make the haul out there but you got all of all of illinois would come down and race there so that particular night um you had a lot of and, arkansas guys that come up for that yeah. those races too yeah, Shannon Babb, uh, Jason Fager, I uh, think Billy Moyer Sr. I'm trying to think. I think it was a 10,000 to win super race both nights and five or 10,000 to win open wheel modifieds. And that's the only two classes. And the, the pits was just plumb full of cars. And uh, that, like I said, that was the only weekend I ever got to watch the race in there at, at Kentucky Lake. But Man, I wish it was. I wish it was still here today because I guarantee you'd be on the Lucas schedule and the World Outlaw schedule. It's just a it, cool uh, place. And and when I said that, I didn't mean no disrespect to any other track in Kentucky. It's just that I was fortunate that I won a lot of races there. You know, so that kind of yeah. makes it your favorite. I yeah. early in my career, I won a ton of races at Ponderosa. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, but yet, I mean, even awesome Kentucky back in the day was. Uh, was a really neat unique place to go to yeah well the only thing i took out of that conversation is wes's old wife hated racing he's he's got a new one i like sherry a lot he's a smart man that's what i take away from that that yeah, whole that, that whole is, spiel that that's exactly yeah. what to take from it and uh, uh <laughs> the first uh first race i ever took her to was uh i took her to the world finals at charlotte and uh that was in let's see that was in November of 2018, and we just started dating. And uh, I said, uh, you ever been to a dirt race? And she said, no. I said, do you want to go this weekend? She was like, yeah. So we loaded up and went for the whole world finals. And uh, that was just a really cool experience to uh, to take her there. And I'd already been um, two different you years. It's pretty hard to up yourself after doing that. you got to ease into that because if you take her to something like that, you see sprints, late models, and big blocks, it's kind of – 
Yeah, you, you set the bar pretty high. <laughs> well, what that that was that what that really was that was a that was a full weekend interview right there. She just didn't realize yeah. it, but he was just seeing yeah. how things were going to go. So, uh, and she passed yeah. the test with flying colors. <laughs> the funniest thing of it was we were, yeah. we're up there, and I took her around and showed her everything, and we start watching <laughs> hot laps. And I said, uh, "All right, I said pick you a driver." Well, she watches all the late models come through, and she said, I really like that uh, red, white, and blue number one car. I said, you would pick Brandon Shepard. I said, he's going to win the points this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, she uh, she loves racing and uh, uh, actually uh, proposed to her at Smoky Mountain, uh, Tennessee Tip-Off Classic a couple years ago, and uh, she didn't have a clue that was happening. Um, and uh, that was very special. Um to work with Casey Moses and, uh, you know, the late, great Rick Eshelman. Um, it, it was cool. We did it right there, uh, during the redraw, uh, oh, right after. Yeah. So Rick was, uh, uh, Rick was really good at, at orchestrating a few of them. I, I seen him do a few things like that in his career and he was, he was really good at, uh, really good at orchestrating those, those situations to keep it a surprise and all that. Man, she didn't have a clue, and uh, I had uh, one of my best friends, Brad, and his girlfriend was there with us, and I was like, hey, Brad's never watched a redraw before, lied right between my teeth, and uh, so we talk, start walking that way, and Rick's like, hey, uh, he said, where's my good buddy Wes? We talked earlier, so I just grab her by the arm and take off. Well, it's cold. We've got like eight layers of clothes on. <laughs> we get down there and she realizes what's going on because Rick's like, I'm the, usually the one asking all the questions, but I, I hear you've got one to ask and just hands me the mic. I mean, the place is packed, dirt vision. I mean, I'm getting my phones blowing up. Did you just propose? I said, I sure did, right on dirt vision, right right there. So just a really cool I think deal. She said, yes, that would have been an embarrassing moment. <laughs> oh, man. It that been. might have. That might have ended Worldwide West's career right there. He never <laughs> wanted to be in front of people again. So uh, I'm glad right she there. said yes for sure. But you, uh, you're right about about uh, you know Rick being able to to do that. And uh, what was cool was it didn't matter where he saw us after that. That was uh, that was in 2019, and it didn't matter what racetrack we was at when he saw us after that. Hello, Wes and Sherry, and he'd always give her a kiss on the cheek. And uh, that was just just such a special moment, and, and you know, making that friendship with him um, just for those couple years was just really cool. And I just I miss him dearly. We all do. Yeah. yeah. All right, move on to move on to the next question. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I already put one up on the screen for you, buddy. We're all we're right, all ready for all this. Right. Our good buddy Greg Miller, right there. Now, Greg Miller is our cameraman. When we're at the racetrack and we do our one lap, one bush, Greg Miller is our cameraman. So he said, "What is your most memorable win, and why is it the most memorable?" 2012 Knoxville Nationals, um, and it was simply because of the way the weekend played out. Um, we ran third to first night. It's a three-day deal, third to first night, second to second night, and won the, won the big one, you know, the Knoxville Nationals. And it was just the way that whole weekend played out, you couldn't have probably scripted it any better. Mm -hmm. um, I, I generally will never say much about my race car, you know, in my career. I never said much about, you know, 
oh, I'm going to win tonight or I'm going to this or I'm going to that or anything like that. Uh, because karma always seems to bite you in the butt when you do something like that. And uh, I, I can remember talking with Barry Wright, and we were sitting there in the truck, and he said, well, I want to try this, 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 and this for our hot lap session before before the race today. I said, I'm telling you, this race car is good. I said, you do what you want to do to this car for practice, but if it isn't where we feel like it needs to be, we're going back to you know our standard program here, and I said, with that standard program, I'll take the lead on lap 70. I said, I'll fall back, and then we'll take the lead on lap 70. And it was one of the few races that I ever predicted that I took the lead on lap 71, I think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And led the last 30 laps over 29 laps, whatever it was. And I I sometimes hesitate to say that story because I, I never would um, – I was never a guy to like predict, oh, I'm going to win this, I'm going to this, I'm going to that. But that was the only time in my career. And I only said that to Barry Wright because I was driving for Barry Wright at the time, and I only said that to Barry. We went out there and practiced, and I don't know, we, were, we weren't very good in the, in the practice set that day and come in, changed everything kind of back, went back to our standard program that we had, we'd had a lot of success with that year. And uh, the car was just dead perfect. It was one of the few race cars I could just run right through the middle of the racetrack all day with and never had to – Never had to lean on the cushion, never had to hurt the tires or anything like that. Yeah, awesome. Well, I, I imagine it's uh, it's always a good thing, and it, seem, it seems like it would be uh, few and far between a man could guess, uh, I'm going to take the lead on lap 70 and lead the rest of the way. <laughs> so uh, that, that would have to be a lot of fun. That was just uh, – that car was just that good that week, and yeah. you just had that feeling. I mean, you know, it's hard not to say, you know, because we won the World 100, it's hard not to say the World 100 because – of what it is, yeah. of what it still is in our sport. Um, and the only reason I give Knoxville the nod over that is, is because of the way the weekend played out for us. Yeah. Um, as far as your biggest career win, I don't know how you don't say, you know, World 100 or, or Dirt Track World Championship. Um, probably World 100 was my biggest career win. But yeah. that one was the most important to me because of the way it played out. Yeah. Yeah, we got you. Well, that's uh, that's awesome, awesome to hear. Uh, and yeah. th- those are the kind of stories we like to hear—the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that you you wouldn't know without asking uh, asking Steve Francis himself. So, uh, actually well, an interview in victory or after the race. You know, they take you in this room and it's it's kind of a press conference after the. Oh yeah, it's me, Billy, Billy Moyer, and Brian Burkhofer, and we were the top three that night at the end of the race. And R- Michael Rigsby did the interview, or a lot of the interview, a lot of the questions. And he, I think to this day, he still says it was the most educational interview he was ever in in his life. <laughs> you know, because you basically, basically they had me, Moyer, and Burkhofer, and we had a, a bullcrap session about the sport and where the sport was going, not really about Knoxville and the race, but yeah. about the sport and where the sport was going. And that's I'll what have we to check that hear. out. Yeah, yeah. we we'll have to look that one up. Yeah, we need to check that out just to see. From 2012, they were sitting there bullcrapping about where the sport was going. We need to see just how uh, how much they, uh, you know, how much how of it is taking place. Yeah, we'll yeah, in 2023. Then the would be the only one of the three of us still driving race cars. Well, that's correct. Well, that is. Yeah, he got he got that one right. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, correct yeah, we, on we, that we, one. We wouldn't have predicted that one at that point. Yeah. Um, I gotta say it's it's still really cool to see him at a racetrack wheel in the car. Uh and, and would love to see you and Berkey back in one. But yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, 
you know, I, I think there's a potential you might see Berkey drive a race car every once in a great while. I, I don't, I haven't talked to Brian in a year or so, but, uh, um, I don't know that it was really cool to see Moyer get a, a win. I think Fairbury or Farmer City a few weeks ago, he got a win. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully Scott's able to come back from his surgeries and things like that and get him another win. <clears throat> yeah, I hope so. I, I, I hate to, <laughs> you always hate to see when guys hang it up. You know, like yeah. you yeah. said, when when you hung him up, I was like, he'll be back, and you never came back. So, it's I did see Daryl Hannigan. We're talking about Kentucky guys. I did see Daryl Hannigan won a crate race here not long ago, someplace in Pennsylvania or something there. So, uh, maybe he's getting the itch again. Maybe yeah. maybe he's the next guy you need to have on here and get him get him back in one. Yeah, Wes hey. talked to him. Yeah, I did. <laughs> did you? Um, that night, uh, the Castro Flow racing that Wednesday night show they had at uh, Florence. Um, he was walking in. I was there early. Uh, my wife had, had class in uh, Louisville. She's going back to to become an RN. She's a nurse. She's a LPN right now. And we got out of that early, and we drove on up. So I drove the Durango through the through the pits, and we were there early. And I said, "Let's run to the Waffle House and eat. We're going to do everything a little backwards." So we ate at the Waffle House before the race. And uh, got back over there, and we'd made our rounds. We'd paid and got our pit passes, and we come walking through, and here comes Lanigan carrying a little duffel bag. I just grab her by the arm, and I take off. She's like, where are we going? I said, man, I said, Daryl Lanigan's back in a race car. I said, we're going to go talk to him. So we got over there, and it was cool because I'd never really talked to him, and he talked to me like he'd known me his whole life. And I was like, man, that's just cool, you know, that you're here. I said, it's been a – been a hot minute since you've been in the car and he said yeah kind of getting a little itch so it was cool to see you back uh back at florence at a place that he lives right down the road but you don't see him there very often uh i know mm-hmm. back in the back in the world outlaws days with him uh they would be off that weekend he he wouldn't come race he'd be resting so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that plays into that you got to have a break sometime right uh, you really do right you know, you're talking about florence that's uh Florence was one of my favorite racetracks. I always liked racing there. I think I won everything they had there that was big events, except the North-South. And uh, I led it on lap 90, 98 and 99 and still never won it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's kind of the one that uh, that I never got that, if you could say, what race did you not win that you wanted to? That's one of the ones that, uh, just because it's in Kentucky and so on and so forth. And I, yeah. I ran so yeah. well at Florence to not win that race. Yeah, I know, man. Like there was a long stretch there. Um, even doing doing uh, dirt racing in the bluegrass, we would always sort of keep track of it, and we've always tried to focus on Kentucky drivers. And um, there was a long stretch there where a, a Kentucky driver hadn't won the North South One Hundred, and uh, you were always in it. And and like you, you all, it was like our our best bet right here is is steve francis and and you were so close it's like man i just wanted to see you get that one because that's our biggest you know late model race of the year it's the you know the the north south 100 i wanted to see you get that race so bad and hate that i, it I wanted never to win that happened. one too so bad but you know it uh it wasn't in the cards and um again you know i have no regrets about stepping out when i did yeah 
Yeah, I get it. I do. Well, uh, last question here. We'll end the fan questions. We'll end the we'll end the questioning with this, Steve. Uh, and we'll make this our hot topic uh, for the podcast here tonight as well. Uh, did uh, Kyle Ramsey wants to know if Hudson won over Bobby? What's your What's your thoughts on that? That's what everybody's talking about right now on social media. It seems like it was done a hundred percent correct. Bobby Pierce won. You use the. You use the transponder loop for every lap of the night from qualifying. Every scoring lap is done by the transponder loop. Yeah. Um, I know at World of Outlaws, we, you know, if the transponder happens to not be directly in line with the flag stand, we make sure we announce where it's at. And, and you live and learn from everybody's, you know, experiences that they had, and that that was a bad experience for for a lot of people, you know, because yeah. But it's also got people talking about the sport, so that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, it was done. It was done 100% correct. Um, you know, back in the old day, it was, it was a camera and the flag stand was the official start finish line before transponders since that time. I mean, even go to NASCAR, the trans, the last past loop is the winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, there's no way they could have done that any differently. Um, yeah. and it, and instantly everybody has access to it. That says point. I don't know what it was. Somebody told me. Zero uh, zero two, I think. Zero zero yeah. two or something like yeah. that. So there's no way you can back up and get out of that now. You know, as long as those transponders are where they're supposed to be on that race car. Right. No way you can get out of that. And I'm sure that was one of the first things they checked. Um, I guarantee it. They probably climbed under it and said, let's make sure where the transponder was. Mm-hmm. You know, and but as I, far as the, the, the rocket team, you know, I, I, I think – Somebody told me this today, and, and I don't know the exact race it was, but it was Davenport, Iowa last year, and the camera shows Ricky Thornton winning, but I think Brandon Shipper was in the Rocket House car at the time. But Brandon mm-hmm. gets the win, and they go to check the transponders, and I, 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 I'm getting this story secondhand, but I, my understanding was Thornton had ran someplace the night before that required the transponder loop to be on the axle tube or the transponder to be located to the right rear axle tube. Mm-hmm. And they had forgot to move it back to the left front corner where Lucas world of outlaws, some of them require, some of us require it to be. So by the, even though the picture looked one way, the transponder loop showed it exactly the other way. And, and that's what you have to go by. There's yeah. precedent already said in this. It's not, yeah. in my opinion, it's not a question. Yeah. The only thing that could have made the situation better. And again, maybe we all learn a little something from this, is maybe there's a stripe painted on the wall where the loop is. If it's not directly at the flag stand, maybe there's a stripe painted on the wall. That way there's never a question about where is the loop. Yeah, I like that idea. I do. I think, I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a good idea. Just to give everybody a reference point for, um, you know, exactly where that, that scoring loop is. But, no, I mean, I agree Again, with you. we're that's... talking about technology that has changed 15 right. years or 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that flag stand would have been the finish line. Yeah, but really, most of these loops and racetracks now are buried about eight foot before the flag stand, because when they first went to them, they were put on the right rear axle tube, because mm-hmm. that's a very central location in every race car. Yeah. yeah, so technically, that ten foot should put the nose at the flag stand, and when the rear end passes the loop, okay, that's yeah. why they were put about that ten, eight to ten foot or ten foot or so before the flag stand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now everybody's figured out you, you kept getting them knocked off the right rear axle too, losing transponders, left front, bottom frame rail, where the frame and the bumper meet. Yeah. 
is become a standard location for most sanctioned bodies now. But again, that makes the loop be eight foot before the flag stand. Yeah. Okay. Now that makes sense. I, I get yeah. that now. I never, I'd never thought of that. Like why they are before the flag stand, but that that makes perfect sense. It, it, yeah. uh, it, it really does. But no, I, well, I agree cool, with because I didn't know that. I didn't know, <laughs> you know, yeah. about that. With you know, and I'll be honest with you. When we go to you know Brownstown, it would be almost impossible because the flag stand is in the you know a mile from the racetrack there, you know, the way you circle out off of Brownstown. Uh-huh. So it would be hard to put a stripe on the wall and see the wall. So, you know, maybe, maybe we have to set a cone in the infield right here's the line, you know, so that yeah. there's a, a direct reference. Photos are, are very deceiving. I've learned through the years of this scoring stuff and everything, because the slightest angle changes the whole look. If you're not 100% dead straight at the flag stand, you know, like a horse race is scheduled or is scored off of a camera. But if you look at the way that camera, it has mirrors and everything else that get every possible angle for a horse race. We don't have that in dirt racing and we can't have that in dirt racing. Yeah. But the only way you could ever do it is a direct straight up and down shot. Can't be any angle, you know, has to be. I think there was one that uh, Heath Lawson got a year or two ago at, uh, matter of fact, I believe it was at Florence. And, uh, it was the same type deal, like an, an almost like a point oh oh something, but in the camera at picture two, he happened to be dead at the start finish line, and you could see that the, the transponder didn't lie. The transponder can't lie. Yeah, yeah, true. Which is a which is definitely a good uh, a good thing uh, for everyone involved. It takes all the takes all the question and the and the guesswork out of it for uh, for officials. So uh, I, I imagine that that's a that's a good thing for sure. So well, hopefully we haven't uh, we haven't questioned questioned you too much and wore you out too much. Uh, no, this I, has been kind of fun. You know, it's 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 really fun to talk about old school racing and you know uh, i guess i'm an old school guy kind of in that aspect of the racing world yeah. um so it, it's kind of neat when you can talk about you know the old times and some of the old races that happened at ponderosa and and, and florence and some of the kentucky tracks that i grew up doing yeah yeah absolutely well we've we've in, we've enjoyed uh enjoyed hearing about it we that we love that part of it too we had a whole series uh in the off season about the old battle of the bluegrass series and talked to a lot of guys about that series and that's a lot of fun i love racing history i know a lot of our fans do and so um i i can't get enough of it and uh like I said, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Looking forward to seeing you on Friday night and the rest of the gang from the uh, World of Outlaws Late Model Series. Uh, looking forward to seeing those drivers there on Friday night. 15000 to win at Ponderosa Speedway coming up on Friday night. For all of you listening and watching here with us, let us know in the comment section if you're going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a big night at Kentucky's Baddest Bull Ring when the, when the World of Outlaws series comes to town and Steve Francis uh, agrees to come on the podcast, you have a special edition on Monday night. So uh, looking forward to seeing yeah, you there. This will be the uh, – um... I think, you know, this will be the biggest purse ever paid at Ponderosa Speedway this weekend yeah. as far yeah. as A-Main late model purse. It's $1,200 to make the A-Main. Yeah. So yeah just to make awesome. it is 1200 So, uh, you know, Brandon has, has really stepped up and, and and put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of contingency money that the, the Mulliam family put up, you know, with, uh, I don't know, I think it's 
don't quote me on these numbers because I'm not looking at I'm not looking directly at them. It's like seven hundred and fifty dollars to win a heat race, and the guy that wins a feature gets an ex gets a, a free bed cover for his pickup truck or something. You know, there's just a lot of little extra stuff that they've added into this thing. Yeah, well, we're really really looking forward to it. Um, it's it's cool because got to brag on the the group of drivers that World Outlaws has this year. I mean, that's just a stout. You said sixteen has followed. The I whole think twelve tour. of the sixteen already have a little outlaw feature win, and that's impressive too. So, uh, and you look at the four guys that hasn't; they've they've been beating on the door. So, yeah. just cool to see those guys come to come to Ponderosa, and like you said, a lot of them haven't ever been there before. And it's cool to talk to these guys when they they get out there and they're like, "Can you compare a track that you've raced at to Ponderosa?" Not at all. It's it's like no other. That's what they always tell us, and it's just it really is, cool. It is, and you generally, when a guy comes to Ponderosa, he either gets it or he don't. There's, yeah. you know, it's, there's not a lot of middle ground there. You know, I know, you know, I, we're going to add Mikey Marver and the Rice Boys and some of that into that field. So uh, Michael Chilton, you know, I'm sure Mike. I haven't talked to Michael, but I'm assuming he would be there too. Um, you know, so uh, definitely looking forward to a good stout field of race cars. Yes, yeah, but he. Should be awesome. It's funny you talk about Ponderosa. I asked Randy Weaver one time. I said, "What do you think of Ponderosa?" I don't. I don't like it. I'll, I'll probably never be back. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't yeah. really remember him running it one time. Um, mm -hmm. So I mean, it's you either like it or you don't. That's that's just kind of one of them things. It is you know? definitely a driver's racetrack. Um, you know, we all talk about our race cars and how good they need to be, but. Ponderosa is old school and uniquely shaped enough that it's one of the places that maybe your race car doesn't have to be perfect to win. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. You know, because can you can change that. your line and make your race car be better there. Your mm -hmm. entrance into one, but with a D shape down the front straightaway, how you leave turn four, where you drag the outside fence or the inside tires. Right. You can, there's so many options to change things there in your, in your driving style to help your race car. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool to watch. You know, you watch the drivers, and, and they all run it a little different. Like hot laps, they're all trying to find find that groove and, and see what their car, how their car works the best. And they're all running, like you said, either, you know, running that inside tire or running that outside wall. It's a, it's a, it's just in a unique, unique place. Yeah. It is that. It is that. Yeah. It's a fun place to race. It is, yep. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on, on Friday night. Like I said, uh Thank you for taking your time uh, to come on here with us and help us preview this big event, 15,000 to win, like I said, Friday night. I'm sure everyone listening is going to be there. I would, I would almost put money on it. So yeah. uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun time there at, uh, at Kentucky's Baddest Bull Ring on Friday night. I haven't met you in person. Did you, did you so. get over your 200 number that you wanted to be over? We didn't. We didn't quite get there. We were close, but you know, we'll we'll take it. We were we were close. We'll uh, we'll work on it for uh, for next time. We'll uh, okay. we'll set that as the goal. Uh, the uh, uh, Steve Francis two point maybe uh, maybe <laughs> next year before. Yeah, that uh, sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, buddy. The Kentucky Colonel Steve Francis joining us here. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll see you on Friday night. All right, man. Just uh, like I said, a lot of fun there uh, being able to talk to him. Uh, just a just a great guy. You said when you called him, you know, first uh, and just had a conversation with him on the phone. Uh, it, it was it was a good conversation, and so uh, you know, 
Good, good for you, man. Getting all these guys on here. Look at you being worldwide West. It's just really cool, man. Um, you look at the, the drivers and, and promoters and series workers and the people we've had on here, uh, announcers, the list goes on and on. It's just cool. Um, that they'll take the time to come on our, our little dirt racing show here and, uh, and spend spend an hour hour and 15 minutes with us and uh we just gotta gotta give them uh you know a big shout out for doing that and uh just really cool yeah no i, I agree with you 100 percent. it was it's it, it's an awesome thing it's honestly one of those things i never expected at this point this uh you know so soon in that we would be able to to have these these folk these guys on here and uh and really cool of them to be willing to do that um so hey i want to mention real quick we've had a couple people say they're going to call the racetrack connection hotline we had someone call please call us we want to hear from you uh let us know who you uh, have to win who's your pick to win coming up this weekend at ponderosa speedway or anything else you want to talk about but when you call just hang on the line it'll be silence until i can get to you so don't give up on me and hang up just uh call hang on the line you won't hear anything just be patient with me and uh i'll get to the phone call because we want to hear from you we've got a couple other things we need to get to uh here west before we finish uh the uh, show this evening uh one being we're going to pick the winners we've got uh a couple of events coming up this weekend uh, of course we've already talked about it ponderosa world of outlaws late model series we're going to pick that one no doubt but also, I uh, want to mention real quick, because we've got the ladies takeover on Wednesday night, they'll talk about it then as well, but we've also got the Tommy Lana Memorial coming up this weekend at Rockcastle. It's Hall of Fame night at Thunder Mountain Speedway. So just a big weekend of racing overall, uh, but we'll, we'll pick the winners between Supers at Pond and Crates at Rockcastle uh, to finish, sort of finish up the show here. So we'll get to that in just a second, but before we do, let's go to the Racetrack Connection hotline, and uh, we've, we've got somebody on the phone for the first time in a long time Wes uh, go ahead let us know first of all let us know who you are you're you're on dirt racing in the bluegrass line hey hello yeah go ahead you're on you're live you're on dirt racing in the bluegrass live tell us who you are uh, this is Robert this is Robert Robertson on the Fargo dollar racing yeah, buddy. How's it going? Uh, uh, I thought, uh, uh, I think Mikey, I think Mikey going to win it. All right. So we've got a, we've got a pick for, uh, for Mikey Marler coming up on Friday night at Ponderosa Speedway. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the call. Uh, good pick. I have to say, Wes, I mean, Mike Marler, when it comes to Ponderosa Speedway, uh, I mean, don't, don't be giving Wes any hints, but I think that would be a good one for sure. That's a, that's a good pick. Uh, I think that was Ronald Roberson. I think that's who that was. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Had a little, had a little, um, echo there in the background, but that's a good pick, buddy. The 157. I mean, you might as well call Ponderosa one of his home tracks. And, uh, that's a great pick. We had someone else, uh, and unfortunately with our, with our technology here, we can only take one call at a time. We had someone else try to call in there at the same time. Call us again. We'll, uh, we'll, um, We'll take your call. The number to call the hotline is 859-412-1287. 
uh, feel free to give us a call again. And while we're waiting on another phone call, Wes, let's go ahead and and pick the winners. Uh, I do believe uh, we're at five to four right now. You're up, uh, so uh, it's a close one, though. So call uh, from Howard Daniel. <laughs> I hang on a second. We gotta take Howard's we, yeah, call. We gotta, yeah, we gotta, we gotta take this phone call. We'll get to the winners here in just a minute. But right now, we've got Howard Daniel on the on the phone with us. Uh, Howard, go ahead, buddy. Hello, Howard. Oh, I had him muted. All right, go ahead, Howard. You're you're live. Hey, you're just doing everything you can to keep me from being on the show, aren't you, guys? <laughs> Here, let's talk to Howard and then mute me. I see how you are, yeah. bud. Thanks a lot. You know, I'm sitting there talking for five minutes. Nobody heard a word I said. I was talking about how great of a job you did. And look, you're not even going to let me tell the people. No, I've got you on here, but, buddy. Go ahead, go ahead and tell them. Uh, if I you're talking to about me, I'll let you Oh, because I'm talking about you, you let me yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to, after you were up there the other night and seen the little issue that went on, you know, and how things changed real quick. How they go to Brandon and they let them know that how terrible we do of the job we do and how we trust them. And, but he didn't also say that he threatened to take me out of the parking lot, lot and whip me and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, prior, he, you know, they, they change all that. You know, you got to think we got a hard enough job trying to get through. We look at all the other tracks. They don't pit on the infield. Yeah. So you don't have all the people in the way trying, when you're trying to get your car wrecked and stuff like that. You know, I know. Like we do. Or you don't have, you don't have all the people mad whenever their driver don't win or when they get in a wreck, you know. But you don't know how many times a night I got guys come up spitting in my face, cussing at me. You know, it's yeah. like we're all grown men here. Well, you I, can only cuss me so much. Yeah, you know. I mean, but the good thing about it is the other night you were there, you got to watch and see that how it ain't just me being, you know, a psycho, crazy maniac going after people. No. That you know, tell the guy just back up, let me do my job, you know. And then he's going to take me out and whoop me in the parking lot. And then whenever Brandon walks over, he's, oh, your guy was cussing me and shoving me around. And I'm like, "Yeah, really? I was like, I mean, that never went that way. Well, I'd rather go to the track and be able to sit on the tractor and watch the racing and have a good night. Yeah, You know, I mean, you can ask all the drivers there. I go around, I give everybody hell. I love joking, cutting up with everybody, teasing people. You know, that, that's much better of a night for me. You know? Yeah. And then getting all worked up and wanting to go out and fight somebody. But, yeah. you know, like I said, you don't want to be cussed at so much and have somebody come up and spit in your face so much as they're screaming and, you know, flailing their arms around your face. No, you I, know, I get, before, I get before it. Before you lose it. I get it, Howard. And I, I tell you what, buddy, we, uh, no, I mean I totally, uh, I totally under understand it completely. The good thing about it is it's a, it's a racetrack. So I think at the end of the day, everybody can walk away and we'll we'll move on to next Saturday. And uh, and that's that's the good thing about being at a racetrack. Uh, but I tell you what, there's no one. I can, I know Brandon the same. No one will doubt you're you're the you're the best to do it, buddy. And uh, and uh, and like I said, I mean, I, I I was told when I started there, this is how it is. These are the rules. Everybody follows. I show no favoritism. Now, yeah, I do got some drivers I joke around with and talk with more than I do with others. I do show favoritism to one driver. I'll admit it openly. Number double zero in the Craig division. Little Craig Watson. You know, <laughs> yeah, now that one there, that one there, if anybody messes with him, we might have issues, you know. But uh, other than that, I'm, I'm straight across the board with everybody. Yeah. You know, I show no favoritism. I was told this is the way the rules are. This is how you got to follow them. Now, if you come to me with something, 
talking like a civil human being, I'll do everything I can to find out what the problem is and see if we can straighten it out. We know, you know? we if, know you are, buddy. My but I, guy, if my guy was wrong, then I'm going to stand on your side and tell him he was wrong. You know, that he made a wrong call. I but also, you. you know, the call was right, and you know, I got to stand there and tell you you're in the wrong. But if you come and talk to me, we'll get anything that solved. Well, know? that's but don't come cussing, screaming, and want to fight. You know, because I I'm definitely not the one to back down from an argument. <laughs> well, you know that's I mean? why I already that's, said if I would, it, you know what? As long as I know you had my back, I'd feel safe in any any neighborhood in the world, Howard. So yeah, I, mean, I, I grew up in shitty neighborhoods, but I mean, so <laughs> like I said, I mean. Uh, I'm, I come from the murder capital of the United States. You know, I'm saying, look, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, I'm, oh. I'm not going to back down from anybody. I don't care if you're seven foot tall and 300 pounds. I mean, but, you know, I'd rather do it the other way. Yeah. You talk it out. I'm getting too old for that fighting anymore. You know, no, I, I even, if you win, even if you win, you wake up sore the next day. So it's no fun. But I you just know, when I was 17, 18, fighting was great. You know, but. What if I had a race what car? What if I had a race car or Wes had a race car? Would you have any, maybe maybe just a slight bit of favoritism Wes, toward, uh, toward I'm us? I'm just going to let you know now. Wes, I'd black flag him every chance I got. But <laughs> you, you, I'd probably, look the other, I'd probably look the other way on a couple things. Well, you know, I, we, we might let you get away with some stuff, guys. But Wes, we'd, we'd bust him as much as possible. I We're appreciate done. that. We're, we're done. Well, we're, we're brothers. He, he, hey, he, you go you go on these bass tournaments and don't even ask nobody to go with you, bud. So I mean, yeah, you got to understand, Wes. We're brothers now. We've we've both been, right. we've been you know on track. Josh was, on his, Josh was in the trenches with us the other night. So That's right. you know he knows how it is. Yeah, you were out just lollygagging around underneath an umbrella, you know, fishing. Did you win at least? No, I didn't win. He finished. But, uh, he, he, he finished Howard, last. I've been way. in the trenches fin- with you too when there's been some knockdown drag out fights at Lake Cumberland. I've been right there with you several times, probably closer than Josh was. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I turned around, I, Josh was right there behind me. I stepped on his shoes when I tried to back up. Hey, I was, I will tell you, I swear, I, I, I wish there was a picture to prove it. I stood right there the whole time. I swear I did. Like a little. Oh, he was right person. behind me. Like I said. And that guy, like I said, I wasn't trying to argue. I was just telling him, back up, I'm trying to get this car. It's on the track. I'm trying to do something. Why are you over my shoulder stuff? And he tried to whoop me into us. Do everything I need to show to me. And then he says, I threw him across the, the, the winter circle and all kinds of stuff. Come on now. I mean, Wait. I mean, I will go that way quick, but I, I try not to. You know, if you come, that's why I'm getting on here. Everybody that's watching, you know, if you come to me with any problem, I've been over backwards to try to solve it and figure out what what we can do to make things right. Yeah. But if you come at me cussing and tell me how you're going to slap me around, and I'm the one you'll have to show it to because I won't back away from that. You know, I mean, we I'm know not right in the head, I guess. We know you. We know you. We know you would, Howard, and we've all got but your I'm, back, buddy. I'm a fun-loving we... guy. You know, I try to have fun. Oh, There's yeah. hell. We've got you know? to get. I mean, we've I, got to get to pick the winners, Howard. You, we're going to let you. you, you hey, who's going to win this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Ponderosa. Who's got? Uh, Late models, we're going with Chilton if he shows up. Okay. All right, so, so that's going to be that's Supers at the Pond. Happen. All right, one more. I'm going to give you one more yeah. before we let you go. Crates at Rockcastle, Tommy Lanham Memorial. Who do you think wins that one? If Watson's there, he'll take that one. All right, so we got uh, we got uh, Howard's Chilton, got – Chilton and Watson are off the board. All right, there we go. So All right. He's got first pick. Howard, thanks for calling us tonight, man. We, we've we got you. And back. whoever wants to let me drive their car, they can put me behind a wheel anytime. 
you got to work. You, hey, you got to work, buddy. You ain't got time to drive a race car. Thank you for calling, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Call again. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, buddy. See you, buddy. All right, so uh, Howard Daniel, I've been, I've been waiting on him to call. He keeps saying he's going to call, so we finally got him to call in to uh, Dirt Racing and the Bluegrass Live. It just uh, couldn't couldn't come soon enough. He told me he was going to call. I said, "Buddy, go right ahead. We're we're just waiting on you." So uh, glad to glad is. to have that. Listen, he's one of a kind, and he's he truly, and I mean this. And he he uh, he might have took me a little too seriously there when I was talking talking about that earlier on the, uh, you know, to begin the show because I was just kidding. It wasn't no big big thing at all. It was just you know one of those dirt track things, man. It happens every, it happens all over the place. And uh, but uh, but I mean Howard's appreciated over there at Lake Cumberland Speedway. He, I mean that. I mean he's truly one of those guys that you you and, and Brandon Brandon knows this. He'll tell you this. He's talked to us about it before he's one of those guys you know you you need you need around you at a yeah. racetrack man he's uh he, he works his he's butt off and he, he's gonna work hard this weekend at ponderosa he'll be yeah. right there oh yeah so. absolutely he will so uh all right wes let's uh let's go ahead uh you're in the lead so i'm taking i'm taking uh first pick uh ponderosa speedway world of outlaw supers uh man i tell you this is a hard one because this the the world of outlaw guys are going to be tough, um, and then you throw in like uh, Roberson picked Marler, um, yeah. so he's off the board. Chilton's off the board, so we can't take either one of them, man. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Chris Madden's used to. The, he's used to and he's good on the red clay. I don't. I don't recall ever seeing him race at ponderosa speedway which kind of scares me a little bit to be honest with you just because it's one of those places where seems like guys who don't have a lot of laps there struggle but i think i'm going to go with uh with chris madden i think he gets it done at ponderosa and inches a, a little bit closer to that world about law points lead friday night you know i was doing a little research today as i always do uh right before the show I'm trying to think. I think World of Outlaws has been to Ponderosa 2015, 16, and 18, I believe. Something like that. That would have been a good question for Francis. But mm. I couldn't get a word in edgewise because Josh was being motor Blame it on me. But anyway, you get- I, I don't know. I, hey, you just got to speak up. You got to learn to speak up. You can't. You can't be. You know, I know you got that piano and you got that fancy house back there in the background. But you know, sometimes you just got to be kind of blue collar and just throw yourself in there and and see where it lands. So that's exactly right. But anyway, yes, um, that's a good pick um, going with Madden because he is good on the red clay. That's a very good pick. Yeah. <sighs> Let's see. So I guess it's my pick. And this is tough. This is this is really tough because you gotta favor in the guys that's never been there before. Then you got the veterans that are running the series that's been there, you know, several times. And then you gotta you gotta put the local and regional guys in there. So that's three different categories of drivers and i think it's going to be a really really good field of cars come friday night Mm. yeah Um, i agree i mean you know if if world of outlaws brings you know 16 regulars with them right and then who knows who else is going to show up right um 
throughout the state and uh in the region so <sighs> all right I've, I've made my pick well come on see this is why you can't get a word in come on spit it out let's go you you got me on edge here you got i'm, I'm, doing, it. I'm doing it i'm all doing right. it on purpose all right I'm let's going, go i'm going with the points leader i'm going with little bobby pierce okay there you go so nobody this is kind of surprising me you talk about a regional local guy who here lately hasn't lost almost anything he showed up with josh rice i mean dustin limbles already said he's gonna be there a lot of guys you left on the table there Wes, to go with the with bobby pierce who doesn't have many labs at ponderosa at all uh i gotta be honest with you i don't think that's a good pick at all i think i'm gonna take the lead on you coming up this weekend hate to tell you but uh i think that's uh, how this is gonna go down bobby's pretty hot right now and yeah. i i don't think your pick of madden is that that good a pick I mean, you already I, you said it was a good pick I like know. five minutes ago because that's <laughs> you, you you can't take it back now well, uh, that was supposed to have been towed off the air but you know <laughs> i tried to make you look good for but no i i don't i'm going with bobby all right there you go bobby, right, final, bobby pierce final answer final answer you can't even phone a friend. All right, here we go. I don't uh, have to phone a friend. Crates at Rawcastle. Uh, I'll give you first pick. Since I took first pick at Ponderosa, I give you it's, – it's a big one for you and your family. Tommy Lanham Memorial rescheduled from a uh, couple weekends ago from the rain out. So. Yeah, it was uh, scheduled for Saturday, July the 1st, and uh, unfortunately, unfortunately was rained out because we was all ready to – ready to go that night um but the fourth annual tommy lana memorial rock castle speedway cool thing about this now is five thousand win was was already on the table but now it's a five thousand win american all-star series race so that right there even puts a little more on the table because you bring that series to town and you bring those series racers, it's going to come from Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, um, North Carolina, South Carolina. So that's just really cool, Indiana. Uh, so you give me first pick in the crates? Yeah, go for it. Mm. Well, I'm going to stick with my original pick that I picked on the week of July the 1st. I'm going to go with the rooster, Dustin Linville, yeah. to win the crate race. He's been yeah. really good in it this year and uh, actually won that weekend at Thunder Mountain. Uh, won the 3,800 uh, that you went and got to cover that race on uh, on Saturday night. And I tried to get the win. You wouldn't give me that win even though I picked him for the weekend. So actually I'm up six to four. No, you ain't because you didn't. You didn't pick the crate winner at Rockcastle two weeks ago. Listen, I mean, I we were standing there at Richmond Raceway like a month ago, and my pick didn't show up. I'm like, Wes, can I just can I just pick again? Because my my pick's not even here. Nope. So you think I'm gonna give you a break? It's not a break. No. He won. They didn't race. 
I know they didn't race. He wanted another local track. He didn't win that race, Wes. That was a pick for (laughs) Rawcastle. Great late models. All right, you get another chance, though. You're right, he did win. He won at Thunder Mountain, but he didn't win at Rawcastle. But good pick. Uh, I I will say, unlike your pick there at Ponderosa, Bobby Pierce, Dustin Linville is a good pick Saturday night at at Rawcastle. I'm going to go with with, uh, one of the uh, guy that I – Told you afterwards, I wish I would have picked him uh, because I wasn't sure whether or not he would end up showing up there. He's already got a couple feature wins at Rockcastle Speedway this year. Uh, A.J. Hicks, uh, American All-Stars. American All-Star Series is something else we forgot to mention. It's kind of a late addition to the show. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have Josh Deeps there. It. I well, I, I shows how wasn't little, paying no attention. Shows how little I listen to you, but yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, Josh Dietz, uh, and and those guys that follow the series, throw that on top of. But I, I think when it comes down to it, these uh, these local guys, I mean, Jeff Watson. There's a lot of names you could throw out there. Yeah, but, uh, Jeff Watson, Logan Walls, Dustin Linville. Um, if uh, you know, you got to look and see if Justin Ratliff shows up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if he'll race Rock Castle or if he'll go to Brownstown and run with the World Outlaws. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, just with our local guys, they put on a heck of a show in the Pro Lake models at Rock Castle. Then you throw in American All-Star Series, bring their guys to town. It's going to be a heck of a show on Saturday night yeah. at Rock Castle. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you completely. And I'm really uh, looking forward to the weekend. Uh it's going to be busy for us, you know, Friday night at Ponderosa, Saturday night at Rockcastle, but, uh, man, it's going to be an awesome weekend and, uh, you know, can't wait to be at both places. Uh, love going to Rockcastle. Um, just so much fun there and, and, uh, love those folks and, uh, and, uh, like I said, Rockcastle Speedway is going to be a lot of fun. I'll tell you something else that's going to be a lot of fun, Wes, Wednesday night on the podcast, is going to be ladies' night. Now, we're kicked off, but guys, listening, watching, you you can come. Please do. Support them. Get on here. I want it to be one of the biggest nights we've ever had on the podcast. My wife, Sarah, is going to be hosting along with Sherry, Lanham, Wes's wife, Shauna Jones, and uh, Amanda Hasty is going to be on here uh hobby stock driver she's number asked 19 number 19 she's asked before she wanted to be on the show i'm like you know what perfect opportunity right here we're going to make it an all-lady show so they've kicked us off but be on here wednesday night please uh i want to have i'd love to see 200 people on here for a live show on wednesday night uh, blow Sarah's, our numbers out of the water yeah sarah's Sherry's excited to yes yeah sarah's hoping for five but I want to make it 200 uh, because, uh, you know, because that would just be a, be a lot of fun. So be on here. Hang out with them. They're going to talk uh, talk about uh, all of the normal stuff, preview some of the races coming up, talk about uh, several of the ladies' involvement, race car drivers, crew members, crew chiefs, like, uh, you know, some important fans that we have who follow our show. <laughs> Well, no, Wes, I won't be playing the piano in the background. <laughs> no, he's he's off for the night. He's not even allowed to be on here. So I got I got to sit in the living room over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His his second living room. He's got to sit in uh, living room number two. But um, 
But yeah, it is. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Wes is using the piano to practice the uh, for the national anthem at the Tommy Lana Memorial. That's what he's using the piano for, not for ladies' night. Right. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, just going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, um, and you know, like I said, don't forget also uh, uh, this weekend as well, Saturday night, uh, Hall of Fame night there at Thunder Mountain Speedway. Uh, they're going to be honoring Corbin. Kentucky racers there from the Corbin area. Corbin's a racing community, so it'll be a big night there as well. Uh, something else, Wes, you know, we had Bluegrass Restoration and Construction come on board with us, not for just the podcast, but also as our live coverage sponsor. And uh, so we really appreciate them for doing that. Uh, but we also have a, a Victory Lane interview sponsor uh, for our live coverage as well. I told you about it last week, but uh, yeah. Barton Storage Building, so... Um, I was supposed to call, uh, Lori on Friday. I didn't, didn't do that and still haven't done it, but I really need to do that. Just yeah. been so busy. I haven't had time to do it. So sorry about that, Lori. I promise I'm going to, I'm going to call you and we'll get that, uh, that commercial and stuff put together, but, uh, we really appreciate them doing that for us as well. Um, yeah. so, you know, just, and, just really. And, and we got to pick another winners. We got to pick hobby stocks. At Rock Castle, hobby stocks at Rock Castle. All right, let's let's do it quick. We're going on two hours here, and it's, it's almost right. my bedtime. It's all, all right, right, go ahead. You get first pick. Hobby stocks at Rock Castle. Hobby stocks at Rock Castle. I'm going with Craig Stocks. That's a good pick. Number twenty nine. Yeah, I, I like that. That's going to be a big thing too. There, yeah. you know with uh, the hobby stocks being there at rock castle so really looking forward to seeing that i'm gonna go with aj smith uh he won it last time rock castle ran yeah. hobby stocks listen it's gonna be it's, so it's it's that's that race is gonna be very exciting too i think it's 1500 to win yeah it is hobby stocks yep. Mm-hmm. yep. it'll be so. a, it'll be a full field of cars i agree with you yep it will yeah and it'll be a lot of fun so uh we'll see Really, uh, like I said, looking looking forward to hobby stocks at Rock Castle. So, uh, well, it's been another fun show. Uh, thanks to everyone for watching again. Thank you to Steve Francis for coming on here with us. And, uh, man, he spent about, I don't know, had to be close to an hour on here with us. Uh, fun conversation there. Um, really looking forward to uh, all the events coming up this weekend. Be sure to get out and support your local racetrack. I do want to say quickly thanks to all of our sponsors, uh, Smokehouse Grill and Buffet, in Berea, Racetrack Connection, uh, Bluegrass Restoration and Construction, The Detail Shop, Extreme Style Signs and Graphics, uh, Fast Track Racing Series, Ultimate Heart of America, Super Late Model Series, Dirtman Diecast, CT Promotions, Mud Lake Valley Raceway, Richmond Raceway, Rockcastle Speedway, Thunder Mountain Speedway, Lake Cumberland Speedway, Ponderosa Speedway, Valvoline Ironman Late Model Series, and the uh, Bruce Bill Performance Ironman uh, modified series as well and one other thing real quick before i forgot to mention this west coming up july 22nd at lake cumberland speedway we're going to be in the booth uh, announcers uh for you know we're no brian abner i can guarantee you that and we ain't even announcers we're going to be in the booth and uh it's just it that's going to be a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to that hope everyone can join us because uh it, it'll be entertaining at least i do yeah. believe yes so. it will and, and something something that you and I both uh, are really looking forward to, and uh, it is going to definitely be entertaining. Uh, yeah. 
but uh we've got big shoes to fill with with brian abner and, and we're we're nowhere near them but uh we're gonna yeah. have fun doing it anyway well, yeah we ain't even gonna try to fill any shoes we're just we're just gonna have fun doing it so uh like i said really looking forward to that thank you want to thank them brandon and uh and uh brian abner for that opportunity um really really looking forward to it we'd we'd like to do it at some point for all of our racetracks i think it'd be a lot of fun and be a, a good way to help us get our podcast the word about our podcast out to more people and and people to get to know us so uh uh, really really looking forward to that all right well it's been a fun night here on the podcast thanks everyone for tuning in and the and the 40 something people that stuck with us through the very end uh you all uh, you all uh, give us someone to talk to and we greatly appreciate that we can't wait to see you at the racetrack uh, coming up this weekend we'll see you on friday night starting out the weekend at ponderosa speedway and then Saturday night at Rock Castle. Speedway. Saturday night at Rock Castle. That's right. We'll be doing live coverage at both of those places. So and we'll everybody gets you a World Wide West combo at Rock Castle. Yes, that's right. Yeah. In fact, the first I think ten of those, or the first ten, something like that. I don't know, but at least ten of those are going to be uh, have already been sponsored. So yes. there's a good chance you could even get one for zero cost. And if you don't, then it's only $10 and right. it's well worth it. I promise you. So, yeah. All right. Have a good evening, everyone. We'll see you at the races. Good night, guys.